Reading the Bible can encourage a person in their relationship with the Lord as much as any other spiritual discipline. The Christian Standard Bible is an English translation that strives to be faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity. The CSB maintains accuracy while remaining easy to read. It is a translation that pastors can feel confident preaching from and the person in the pew can feel comfortable reading from in their own devotional time. The Word of God is living and effective, transforming the hearts of people, and our hope is that CSB is useful in more people being encouraged to read the Bible and share it with others. Learn more at csbible.com. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Moms Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Hey everyone and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms. This is episode 326 and you can find the show notes at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Today I am going to give you my top 10 parenting tips. These are things that are tried and true and then I'm going to give you a whole lot of um, other things that are going to be mixed into um, what I'm calling Felice's monologue here. Uh, the first things to think about are, um, you know, styles of parenting as well as some things to think about, you know, some do's and don'ts as far as, um, you know, what has worked. And I've had five children and believe me, uh, they are all different. And so I have had to um, really change some of my styles of parenting with the different children that just did not react to a stern look um, or a warning. So I will share that with you. I want to thank our sponsor, Christian Standard Bible. Please check them out and sign up for their free information at csbible.com. Our sponsors are so important. They keep the network running, and I am so excited to have um, CSB as our sponsor. And like I said, you can check them out on their website. You know, when we talk about teaching, we talk about teaching styles and how we like to teach. Some parents like to just stand there and talk. Uh, others like to be hands-on. Um, and still others like to just use workbook or notebook. And, and there's a lot of in-between. There's uh, life schooling, uh, as one of our podcasters uh, shares in ep her episodes on our network. And like I said, there there's just so many different things that you can do as a parent. But when you look at the psychology, quote unquote, behind parenting styles, they have four listed and they are authoritarian, permissive, uninvolved, and authoritative. And there is a difference between authoritarian and authoritative. So, you know, look those up if you're interested in learning more. But I'm going to sh share with you that it really doesn't matter 
what your style is, and except if it's uninvolved. And let's hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely an involved mom. And sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. I could probably, you know, call up any one of you and you could be sharing even better tips than what I'm coming up with here. Um, but we really have to look at how we parent. And I hear these horror stories of, you know, oh, my teen won't listen, or I can't get them to come in at curfew, or... Um, you know, I look at these parents and I, and I say, do they have a cell phone? Are you paying their bills? Are you paying, you know, whatever? Are, are you feeding them? You know, I, I don't understand how, um, you know, a teen would not be obedient to a parent. And yet what that always, you know, really goes down to is a heart issue. And I know because I've had to deal with this with my own kids. Um, I have a child that is very difficult and really pushes my patience. And I had to pray at times, and I hate to admit this, but it's true. It's a true story that I would love this child. I had to physically get on my knees and pray to the Lord. I said, Lord, you love this child. And I know you love this child more than I do because you say it in your word that you love us beyond imagination, beyond anything we could, you know, come up with with words. So, Lord, I am asking you to love this child and help me to love him. You know, I just can't love him at this moment, but I know you can. So, love him through me, you know? And so, I just gave the Lord permission and it was amazing because the prayer worked. And I was able um, to become reconciled with this child and to go over some of our issues. You know, it took going out with him one-to-one and just sitting down with pen and paper. And I said, here, you write all the grievances and the things you don't like about me. And I'll write all the things that I'm not happy with what you're doing. And let's just compare notes. Would you believe his list did not have that many things on it? And I said, you know what? I'm going to limit myself to 10 because <laughs> I can come up with a lot more. And when we exchanged lists and we actually talked about these things and they weren't hurtful, you know, and I'm going to talk about that. One of my um, points is character assassination. You know, we just can't belittle our kids. But when we were able to finally talk things out, it was as if there was a new beginning. Of course, if you're listening and you have a younger child, this is the perfect time. You can set the example, you can shower them with love, but you also cannot let them take advantage of you. I've seen these tyrants, um, in fact, at one point there was a radio show, I believe, that dealt with, you know, these toddlers or these little kids that were just running the family ragged and just would not listen. And a lot of it is because of just being so permissive. And, you know, we have to be there for our kids. We have to set parameters. If they're misbehaving and we're out somewhere, we pile them back in the car and go home. Um, If they're not behaving in church, you know, as a Catholic, I remember one of my friends said to her kids, guess what? One of the nice things about the Catholic Church is they have one Mass after another after another. If you can't behave sitting in Mass, we're just going to stay for another one. And she did. And after that, her kids were so well-behaved. And anytime anyone told her that her kids were well-behaved, she told them what had happened. And it only had to happen that one time. And 
you know, friends, we have to stand by what we say. We also have to be there for them, be present for them. If, you're, if they're talking to you and you're on your cell phone, you're sending them a message that they're not important. We need to allow our kids to make mistakes within reason. These are teachable moments. My husband says we're always saving our kids, reminding and reminding them to do their chores. He explained we need to teach them that disobedience or failure has consequences, and that is something we could teach them safely in our own home. You know, we often remind our children that home is their safe place. It is a place where they should feel the most secure and able to talk to us and discuss anything. I published a book some time back called Secret Code Time, and I believe it's still available on Amazon, or if you're a member of the Media Angels membership site, then you get that book as a a free PDF. But that is an incredible book that talked about mending your relationship with your child. Also, letting your kids know what you expect is important, and that sets them up for success. If we were going into a store and museum, I would tell them the difference. You know, if we're going into a store, you can't touch things. You either need to put your hands in your pockets or you need to put them behind your back. If we're going into a museum that's a hands-on museum, then great. You know, I would tell the kids, yes, wait till we get to the specific displays, and then guess what? You can touch these things. And so again, letting them know ahead of time what is required. We reward good behavior. If they did something really great, we would reward them. My kids did get into the habit of saying, oh, mommy, we were really good. You know, what do we get? And so you're going to have to temper that because my love language is giving. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, you kind of have to temper that with, you know, sometimes it's just good to be good for the sake of being good. Um, But rewarding them with, you know, praise is what I'm talking about here. When they do something, um, you know, that they're actually trying to do something and they fail, be sure to say, good try. My husband was notorious for saying this on the baseball field with the little kids, you know, who really were having a hard time out there. And he would go, way to go, way to go, good try, you know. You did a good job. You put effort into it. And, you know, they would strike out. But they felt good about themselves and they didn't feel crushed that they had let the coach down like some sometimes you see these situations. Kids need to earn our respect, but we can demonstrate this so much by respecting them as well. If you've had a horrible day or if they've had a horrible day, at the end of the day, give them a hug, even if you're upset with them. Give them a hug and say, guess what? Tomorrow is a brand new day and we get to start again. We get to start with a clean slate, which reminds me, don't hold grudges. Forgiveness is the key. Not just saying I'm sorry, but will you forgive me? That takes the power out of the hands of the offender and into the hands of the child that is being offended or the parent or siblings. You know, recently I sent off an email really quickly um, without checking something that I needed to check. And I had to send this friend an apology and say, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? Because this is totally my fault and you were correct. And so it doesn't hurt to do that, to mend fences. So here we go. My top 10 parenting tips that have 
been tried and true, worked through five children. Um, the oldest is 39, I believe, and, and the youngest, or 38, sorry, I'm making him older than he is, making me older than I am. And uh, my youngest is 18 as of this recording. So here's, um, here's number one, and that is the relationship with your child. That is the most important thing. If you expect them to listen when they're teens, you have to have a good relationship with them. You have to be able to sit there and talk to them. And parents, sometimes they fail. I'm not saying you fail, they fail. Sometimes kids decide to turn their backs on parents who have done what we call the everything for them. Sometimes just doing everything for them and not being present for them or listening when they, you know, want to discuss things. And I know as a homeschool mom, we were pretty strict with what we allowed and didn't allow. And there were some, you know, discussion as the kids got to be adults as to um, what the, the parameters were going to be, but they were discussions. They didn't just go out and willfully disobey us because there were consequences. That was something we taught them early on. We taught them that cause and effect. Number two, avoid character assassination. None of this, you know, you're horrible or I can't believe you're doing this to me. Parents, kids are not doing it to you. They are doing it to themselves. They're behavior is not an affront at you. You're not supposed to take it personally. I know we do. You know, how many times have, you know, all the listeners, I'm sure, you know, we've all had a period of time when we've just cried and we feel like a failure, but we can't assassinate their character and just tear them down because we're upset. We punish the crime and we love the child because that is the example we see in scriptures that God loved. He loved the person even through their sin. He didn't love the sin. And that's how we should be by example. If there is a problem, we need to say, I am very disappointed that you did not do your chores when you were supposed to. Instead of, I'm really disappointed in you. I can't believe that you could be so slack. You never do anything right. There's a big difference there. You can definitely discipline the the event or whatever happened. I had a friend once that I guess her child could not put the trash can back where it belonged. He would just bring it in and put it maybe by the door or always in the wrong place. He didn't care. So when she was serving dinner and was dishing out the food, she went around and took his plate and put it underneath his chair. And he kind of looked at her and everybody at the table was, you know, gasped and said, what's, what are you doing, mom? And she goes, you can't seem to put your trash, the trash can back where it belongs. And I know your plate doesn't belong on the floor, but do you understand what I'm trying to say? And the child said yes. And, you know, someone else helped get, because he would have probably stepped on his food if he had moved his chair back to get his plate. But it just gives you, gives them a concrete example. She didn't say you're horrible. You can't do anything right. She gave him an example that matched, you know, the the crime, so to speak. Number three, don't compare. Oh, I just wish you were more like your brother. I mean, that just is this burden that nobody needs to hear. I always told my children that 
God has given us the capacity to love. You have another children, your heart, another child, your heart just expands. You don't have this limited amount of love. Oh, I'm sorry, I can only give you 2% and I can give this one, you know, 3%. It doesn't work that way, you know, and don't have favorites, moms and dads. It is so difficult. I know we, we you know, out of my five, I had, you know, my, my daughters would say they were the perfect children. Um, I would say to the boys, okay, we're going to clean today. And everybody would cry except for the girls. And I would say, why aren't you guys crying? And I remember Annie once saying, you know, I know you're going to make us do it anyway, so why bother with the tears? You know, she was very matter of fact and pragmatic as a little kid. You know, it didn't make her my favorite child. Yes, she was much easier, you know, and um, she was one that was willing to do things and and to, you know, it wasn't even necessarily to please me. It was just that she was, you know, what I would call logical. So, you know, don't compare the kids. You're going to have, you know, they're going to have comparisons among each other, um, but it will only cause hardship and, you know, even psychological issues later on. Number four is a biggie. Don't discipline in anger. If you are really upset, and I have been there I remember telling my older son um, when I went to put something, an insurance card in his car, and I didn't like something he had in the car, I said to him, when I walked in, I said, I am so angry at you right now. I don't know what to say or how to discipline you. So I'm going to just pray to the Lord and ask him to help. So of course, he thought that was quite funny and decided to laugh and chuckle. And I just prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, I need help here. And what it, what the punishment ended up being is nothing I would think about. And that is to take his car keys away and to just say, you're not keeping these keys in your room. I don't care if you bought the car yourself or whatever. You're going to hang it up in the laundry room, which meant that anybody could take the car keys and move his car if they wanted to, which was something he hated you know, when dad had to move his car out of the way um, to wash his car, you know, this child, this was his first really nice truck. And so it was his prized possession. He flipped out. I could not believe that such a benign request would make him so upset. But guess what? It brought home that the event would not happen again, and it didn't. So that just gives you an example. For another child um, who loved his socks and wearing his socks, I would make him take off his socks. And he hated to walk around barefoot. So parents, you know, especially those of you out there who are faithful, pray, ask the Lord, don't discipline in anger. It works so much better when you have the Lord giving you um, that, you know, that answer that you need. In the previous podcast, I had some faith activities you could do with your kids. And it was amazing because there was an activity about locks and giving the kids a combination lock. And you have two kids with two combination locks and one has the um, combination and the other one doesn't. And the example is one is going to struggle to open that lock while the other one has the advantage of having the combination, right? And so what happens is you can explain to them that 
you know, it's like listening to the Lord. And when we listen to Him, He gives us the answers we need, and it's so much easier. And friends, that really, really works. I can go through every child and and the discipline, but I'll stop there. Number five, yes means yes, and no means no. I cannot reiterate that enough, and I think enough said. Um, You know, we have to be able to be consistent and stand by our word. Number six is follow through. My husband would say, I quote my husband a lot. He's just an amazing dad. My husband would say, kids are gamblers. They are going to wait for that one time that you aren't going to get up when you tell them no. And if you just do it one time, I don't care how tired you are, um, but that's all it takes and they're going to test you again and again. Number seven, set guidelines and parameters And one thing that was discussed was the funnel approach. So what this means is when kids are little, the funnel is upside down. You have a lot of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts because we're training them, right? But when they get older, they are going to be testing you and they will continue to test you. And so... um, If you set the guidelines and you set the parameters and you do all of the things that are important first, you know, like some of these things I've recommended and suggested, then as the kids get older, they get more and more and more permission. And usually it's the other way around that we are permissive when they're younger because they're so cute and, you know, we're going to just let them get away with stuff. And then when they get older, we have a noose around their neck because that funnel is so tight that we won't let them do anything. And we wonder why, you know, things happen the way they do. And it and it's a danger, you know, especially in larger families uh, like ours. You know, you get weary by the end. By the fifth child, you know, you're ready to take a little bit of a break. And so that's where prayer comes in and where, you know, help comes in uh, from, you know, somebody um, like your husband or, you know, a pastor at church or, you know, just even podcasts like this. They can be so, so helpful. And again, you know, we have to remember that as we're teaching our children and as we are disciplining, we need to be careful you know, I, I wanted to start with Proverbs 22, 6, and somehow skipped over this. Train up the child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that is so important. We need to remember that we are training our children. The eighth is to listen. And this is a difficult one for me, a very difficult one. And my daughter said it's difficult for her too. But we are blessed with husbands who listen. By the time my kids got to the end of the day, I didn't want to sit on their beds and listen to all the stuff they wanted to talk about. But my husband was, you know, missed them. He'd been gone all day. And so he was ready to do that as long as one of you is doing it, you know. I listened to them all day long. So I felt like at the end of the day, I was you know, at wit's end. I've talked to uh, to parents who say that their older kids come in their bedrooms and just hang out and want to sit at the end of their beds and just talk and talk and talk. And no matter how tired they are, they stay up and they listen. What a blessing. Number nine. Oh, let me just finish with the listening. If you're not listening, somebody else is going to. They're going to be sharing their hearts with other people. So we want them to share it with us, right? 
Number nine, teach self-discipline. And this is where you know, you are enforcing some of the chores that you've given them or some of the things that you've asked them to do, as well as parameters like if the child wants more than, you know, two cookies, let's say, you can ask your child, do you really think you should have another one? How is that going to make you feel? And it's amazing because they'll usually say, well, if I eat another one, I really want one, but it's going to make me feel sick or my stomach's going to hurt. I've heard my grandkids say this. And just by asking them and letting them be aware and discipline themselves, it is the best you know, bit of advice I can give you. And the last is take a stand where it matters and don't sweat the small stuff. You know, some things like um, the color of their hair, okay? I, my kids never dyed their hair, but I remember seeing, you know, at conferences, you know, my friends that were, you know, Bible-believing Christians and their kids had blue hair or green hair or whatever the fad was that minute. And I just would look at the kid and I would look at the parent, you know, not the kid wasn't within within earshot. And I go, are we not sweating the small stuff? And the mom would say, exactly. I mean, for them, the hair was the least of their concerns. That child loved the Lord, was doing everything, and this was, you know, his way of expression. But whatever that is in your family, take a stand where it matters and don't sweat the small stuff and have a sense of humor. I remember watching young kids and thinking they are so hysterical, but when they got older, I kind of lost my sense of humor, especially when they were mine. So just for fun, I'm going to share with you, I mentioned this in the last podcast about my granddaughter who answered these questions for her mom, and Olivia's four. So here's what she said. Her mom asked her, what is one thing I say a lot? And Olivia said, don't say bad words, which I think is hysterical because her kids don't say bad words. But in that family, bad words could be like what we call the potty words. Number two, what makes me happy? She said, when everyone cleans their zone without you asking. Number three, what makes me sad? She said, people not cleaning. Number four, how tall am I? I don't know. Uh, Number five, what is my favorite thing to do? I don't know, doing school. Number six, what is my favorite food? Meatballs? Number eight, I don't know if I have these numbers right. The next one is, um, what? It, I'm just laughing here as, as I listen to this, as I'm reading this. What is my favorite drink? Soda and water. Next question, if I could go anywhere, where would I go? To the dollar store, which I think is hysterical. Uh, the next one, do you think you could live without me? Um, you can't drink water when you're out of water. So I don't know if she thought, do you think you could you know, live without water instead of without me. So um, that was an interesting one. And um, another one was, how do I annoy you? And she said, I don't know. Now she's four. Can you imagine asking an older child? What is my favorite TV show? When Calls the Heart. And I think my daughter said this was a series they just started watching. Um, What is my favorite music to listen to? I don't know. What is my job? Driving the car. How old am I? 16. What is my favorite color? White. White is a good color. How much do you love me? Lots. So as you can see from the perspective of a four-year-old, you know, her mother's job is driving the car. Her favorite thing is to go to the dollar store. So basically what she was doing was 
attributing to her mom things that she liked, right? So when we are disciplining children, especially younger ones, we have to remember that, and and I have this um, meme and graphic on my um, Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network podcast, um, the page on Facebook, but it's, it's so funny. Do it with your kids and you will see that their perception of things are so different. If you have a child you're struggling with, last piece of advice here, ask them, why am I upset with you? You know what? I would say 75% of the time, the answer is going to be, or more, I don't know. Your kids often do not know why you're angry with them. And that makes parenting so difficult, so difficult. So what we need to do, parents, is explain to them, this is why I'm angry. We don't use character assassinations. We don't compare. We just explain to them. This is what, what you know has happened, and this is what's going to be the consequences. And if you're that upset, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm so upset, but I'll get back with you after I pray. My kids don't laugh at that anymore. Friends, take care. God bless. Uh, share this podcast with a friend. Like us on, um, you know, on all the apps. Really helps others find us, and I just pray that you um, have a wonderful day. And I know parenting is not for the meek of heart. Um, I have, as I was walking in to make this recording on the um, outside wall, there's a plaque that says, God grant me patience to endure my blessings. And I'll leave you with that. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and TheVintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.